thrusters won't stop firing. I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green, like literally green. My last nav check put me on the range point four. This is control. Be reasonable. Keep calm and remain on the guard frequency. Welcome pilots, you've tuned to the guard frequency because as all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 225 of the Best Damn Space Sim Podcast Ever, recorded on Friday, August 17th and made available for download on Tuesday, August 21st, 2018, over at guardfrequency.com. I'm Jeff. I'm Ken Shadow. And I'm Tony. And all Henry has to do is stream, 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 stream. Right, Jeff? That's right, Tony. Remember, folks, Guard Frequency is not a one-way conversation. We welcome your comments over at GuardFrequency.com and Discord.GuardFrequency.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at GuardFreak or Facebook.com slash GuardFreak. Your feedback is an important part of what we do, so hit us up and tell us what's on your mind. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to our shows at feeds.guardfrequency.com or by searching for us on iTunes. And if you're not doing anything on Friday night, you should come join us at 10.30 p.m. Central as we record Guard Frequency live over at twitch.tv forward slash guardfreak. Do you like what we do? Want to help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? We are looking for a replacement audio engineer to help us bring you the show you love each week. Absolutely no experience is necessary as we'll train you in everything you need to know. All you need is an ear for good radio, have a spare hour or two each week, and if this sounds interesting to you or you want to know more, just drop us an email, a tweet, or a comment on this show's post. And if audio editing's not your thing, you can always support the show by visiting our website, clicking on the Patreon logo, and becoming a regular subscriber. We want to thank all our Patreons who support us week on week. We hope you'll consider joining them, because the more support we get, the better show we can make. Just head over to our website and click on that big Patreon logo to help out. And don't forget about our sister productions, Priority One and Heroes Rise. Priority One covers all things Star Trek, from the TV series to the MMO, the novels, the movies, and everything in between. Be sure to check them out at PriorityOnePodcast.com. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets. And the housekeeping is done, so let's get to the show. What do we have in store this week, Jeff? In this week's flight deck, we bring you all the headlines from Simulated Space, including the latest news from Elite Dangerous, Star Citizen, and Dual Universe. This sounds like a repeat of last week. Next, we'll get the news from the Deep Black with Spencer McDunn on Galactic Public Radio. After that, we continue our audio adventure, Guard Frequency Origins, and somebody's getting shot. And finally, we open up the feedback loop and let you join in on the fun. Lace up your booties, campers. It's time to head out to the flight deck. Speed 175, Port Bay, hands on approach, trigger screen, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. Here are the top news bits from the world of space sims. Dual Universe clarifies their current Alpha Access package plans and follows current political trends by promising unforceable NDAs. Elite Dangerous teases patch 3.2 of the Beyond series. Lights, metal, obfuscating camera angles, and that boom sound effect are confirmed. Also, a player-owned megaship is planning navigation shenanigans in the permit-locked zone. 
in Star Citizen, the Mustang finally gets real landing gear. Oh my God, are you kidding? That's the big news. There's a sit rep on the progress in the update to the roadmap and sweet mother Mary, I hope your booties are laced tight campers because we have a ruling from the judge in the Crytek lawsuit. Oh my God, this is newsworthy indeed. We, we do, Jeff. Buckle up kiddos, because here we go. So let's take the light, let's take the light duty stuff first. Because we'll never get to it if we if we get if we start on this. All right, all right, all right, all right. Because this is, uh, and we got to give Jeff time to acclimate to this, you know, right? Because yes. yeah, some of us have had a whole week to get this to get this ready. But so so, all right, Jeff, we'll we'll go with your suggestion. We'll start with with dual universe. Brian uh, alerted us to a, uh, a, a an announcement, a clarification. Let's say. Yeah, so we pointed out last week, right, that um, when they had their other announcement about uh, their upcoming roadmap, they had also updated their uh, access grid or whatever you want to call it and shows who has access to what. And I was pleasantly surprised showing that pretty much all the Kickstarter backers got alpha access, which was not originally promised. And um, mentioned so in the podcast. Well, they didn't, it was kind of under the radar because it was just in the chart, right? This week, they actually specifically announce it but they also spring the fact that all alpha access comes with an NDA. So yeah. there's what, 5,000 Kickstarter backers? I, I assume yeah. it's going to be a click through. It seems rather weak and enforceable, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. It's 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 like it's literally hurting cats at this point. You get a bunch of gamers who are excited about your product, or early backers, early adopters, people that want to see this happen. They've been waiting for literally years to get their hands on it, and they're not going to make a YouTube video. <laughs> so uh, where were we? Oh, so Brian, was that, uh, that about the end of it? Or that's what? about the end of it. Yeah, they showed off. They showed, they, have, they have a nice video showing off some gameplay, but it, it's it's more of the same. Everybody's just waiting. We'll be waiting until November when they start rolling out the the Kickstarter backer alpha access. Yeah, and moving on, Elite Dangerous teases uh, the second patch in the Beyond series, and it really is just a tease because you can't decode anything from this thing, except maybe, what, Henry? What do we think we saw? That looks like uh, Guardian tech, obviously, some kind of uh, uh, maybe a ship or a station. Like some sort of massive Tinker Toy construction thing. At, at the end, they have like a big glowing blue ball. I think it was, if it was Stargoids, it'd be green. I'm betting that was the engine, just, something like that. Seeing it from or the back, the eyeball. I can't imagine that be on the front because it'd be hard to. Uh, it may be hard to look at that ship trying to face it. You know what I mean? I don't know. That just seems weird. It's just really bright. I, w I would think that's probably the engine. Well, so anyway, so we're going to run into something Guardian E post 3.2, which is scheduled according to the teaser for August 28th, a mere week after uh, this show releases. So you don't have much time to do things like backing up your uh, keybind files. And getting to a safe station where you think that's not going to you know, get blown up from underneath you and that kind of stuff. So uh, we're looking forward to seeing that. But not a lot of details yet about what exactly is going to be in the patch uh, as far as it won't be much this time. They had, uh, they said at the outset from FrontierCon or whatever it was last October that the two patches in the middle of the year, the June patch and the September patch, August patch, were going to be minor. This will be another little patch with maybe like a big Thargoid ship in it, nor it's Guardian ship, so. I was gonna say, I've heard him say it's a narrative-driven patch, and that means basically for, from what we've seen, that's gonna be more things to unlock, probably. Um, the thing that I'm really interested in, and I know you wanna get to Star Citizen, and I do too, because Tony's gonna talk for three hours about lawyer stuff. 
Um, but before eight minutes, I've timed it. <laughs> before we go there, the uh, the Gnosis ship that's moving, right? That's that's interesting yeah. because that's happening um, as this patch is coming out, and that trip. What's what's going on is they're moving it to a, a place in space you can't reach except with a mega ship, and theirs is the only one, so they're the only group that can get you there. And if you dock with them before they jump to the middle of this. Uh, uh, area of space that you can't reach without the megaship. When when they appear there, you'll be able to undock and explore this region of several stars that's surrounded by a permit locked stars. So they were planning this trip, and then the date for the uh, update came out, and it's before they reach the destination. So I'm wondering if they're going to push to try to get there ahead of time, or if it'll be more interesting to get there after the fact, um, or maybe if uh, they set the update to happen before they get there. That's possible too, because um, I'm expecting the region they're going to hopefully to be some guardian uh, region, and I would hope the area, the stars in the middle that are unreachable might have some content, but at least you'll have places that uh, you'll be able to get your name on that's really unique if you get out there with the, the mega ship. so that'll be interesting. We probably ought to explore a little background there. So for people that don't regularly, you know, uh, follow the elite dangerous type stuff, the Gnosis is the name of the ship that belongs to the Cannon Group, and the Cannon Group are the um, there are a bunch of players that kind of role play uh, and kind of not take, but they take this really seriously. All the alien stuff, they they decode all the little uh, octal based math puzzles that that elite people dream up, crazy stuff that. You know, require uh, you know, spherical geometry and trigonometry to solve. Uh, these guys are like, like th- this is this is the brain trust of the elite dangerous world, and they have their own ship in the game that they email Frontier and say, "Hey, jump us from point A to point B," uh, in the game. That jump range is very large because it's a big capital ship, which is it can go a lot farther than our typical frame shift drives in the game. That's what makes this uh, unique. The permit locked regions are. I think they've been locked since the release of the game. I think they have. But at some point, either they have been locked or they were locked the entire time. You can't go to them. Your navigational computer won't lock onto them. Within this region, there's a pocket where you could lock on, but nobody has a jump range far enough to get there. That's what makes this unique. Here's what I worry about. One of these days, those permit locks are going to fall off, or someone's going to find the key of how to get a permit. And I'm hoping that's not here at the 3.2 release, where all of a sudden the the... the Mission sort of becomes pointless because uh, all those permit locks fall off. Unlikely, but it could happen, which is why I think they probably ought to move it up, like Henry was saying. But do we think that the the permit lock is potentially solved by this little area? I mean, is this part of the plan for someone to try and get to that area? The, the flight plan is approved by FDEV because they have to email that plan in. It's not like the infrastructure for player faction capital ships is really there. So they have to request to move. So FDEV knows where they're going. They know when they're going there, and the update's coming out before then. I just, I, I could imagine them coordinating something. So you have to get a ship mm-hmm. on their mega ship mm-hmm. before before they move, right? Yeah. They move instantaneously with like a patch. Or yeah, whatever, right? on Thursdays. It's like the server click, yeah. the server tick I see. on Thursdays. And they're already mm-hmm. on their way. They're already making jumps towards that destination. So I'm going to fly out there and try to meet up with them before the jump into the cone region. It's like, is it the cone system? Cone, yeah. yeah. But it's, it's the cone sector, whatever that oh, is. I hope yeah. we find cone heads there. Be cool. I I would expect <laughs> that to be. So wait, the ship move. The ship doesn't move all at once. It moves like a normal ship. Like it moves from from 
You, do you see it jump? No, they have a few stops planned, so every week it's going to be in a different place, and that's for them to role-play the trip out there. Um, but they're also, like, while they're stationed there, say a, a player who's got a ship that's not going to make it to Bernard's Loop or whatever, and the Gnosis is going to go there, he can hitch a ride and be someplace he would have never been, you know, and then he can ride back with them, and it'll be a trip. It'll be like being on a cruise where you have excursions, you know? You go, you go on a trip mm-hmm. for a month and then come back, and then... Um, you're back in the bubble, but you haven't had to have a big exploration ship to do it. That's interesting. That's cool. Two fun things is that it's theoretically possible for somebody at this point to get stranded in there. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're not docked with the Gnosis, when it jumps out of that pocketed region of of of, uh, of permit non permit locked space and jumps back to like the bubble, you could be stranded in that side inside that pocket. Yeah. Uh, that, that's until you kill yourself and then dock at the last station that where you were at. Which would either be the Gnosis, wherever that is, respawns, or the last station you're That's at. a coward's way out, Tony. A real man needs to survive until those permit locks come <laughs> right. down. You get in there, you got your auto field maintenance unit, you got your uh, mining laser, and you can synthesize things. You'll be all right. I don't know if you can get fuel. Oh, I guess, yeah, you get fuel from a star. Yeah, yeah dirt. I'm scoop, thinking, yeah. what can you synthesize? But yeah, you get, yeah, so as long yeah. as you got everything you need, just hang out there for a while. This, this, this would have to come down. I'd be so mad to be the player that got stuck there in 2018. <laughs> and then in like 2023, they're like, oh, they unlocked the permits. And you're this old man on an island on some planet. Yeah, you got your beard down your ankles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no, I, I guarantee you that somebody's going to do that, though. I guarantee you somebody, probably somebody with multiple accounts, I'd imagine, is going to stay behind when the Gnosis jumps out. But I think this is interesting uh, gameplay ideas because this is supposed to happen for everybody or everybody with a squadron in 3.3 which is going to come out October, November, December-ish whenever the last patch comes out probably December Um, but that's supposed to be a thing we'll all be doing Uh, having these long range capital ships that can move I don't think it's going to be weekly but it'll well it might be depending on how they design it but you'll have to fuel them up and then they'll be able to jump um, uh, once every so often so this might be a thing. This might be like a pilot project for FDev to kind of see how this works, um, uh, having these long jumps and, and, and long planned routes uh, for players. So it'll be interesting to watch this happen. I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it and uh, seeing what's possible for us once we get our big ship. You know what else Tony's looking forward to is talking about this lawyer stuff in Star Citizen. Am I right? Well, I will, except except I'm, I'm trying to put it off, right? Jeff wanted me to cover all his other stuff, so I'm trying to take it slowly. I'm savoring the buildup. Because I will mention one last thing about Elite Dangerous. They have started the process of reserving uh, squadron names. So we're in. I've already I sent mine in when the email came in. So Guard Freak is now reserved to us. Uh, we are, you know, it's a first come, first serve thing, so we got in first. Um, so that'll be us at some point. Uh, I put as our first choice for our four-letter abbreviation, FREQ, F-R-E-Q. I hope that's okay with everyone, um, because we'll probably get that. So You know we're uh, all kind of freaky. We are. That is so true. That's, that's why I thought it was appropriate. Okay. All right. So it's time. It's time. <clears throat> it's time to talk about the Mustang landing gear. Did you guys? It's time to the Mustang landing gear. Did you guys, did you guys I, you know, see that? This is a thing. Speaking of buildups, this is three years coming, man. It's it's beautiful. Lennon Lennon was talking about this in the like early double digit episodes. Whenever the Mustang came the, out, now when it lands, the wings come up, kind of like a Van Duel ship, you know. And then the landing gear come out, so it's actually really cool. They actually talked a lot about um, in the RTV this week about game ba- balance around 
wings, which is something I hadn't considered before, but is totally appropriate, you know, from my play experience. In that, the more that the wings in the game are easier to blow off. Really, anything, any kind of appendage on the ship is easier to blow off. And so, one of the ways that I guess they're balancing the ship is if if to make a ship a little bit more fragile, you put more of the armament on the wings. So it's easier to, for somebody to take out your arm and armament, armament, and so um, it, and and so that was one of the the criticisms people had around the Mustang in that pretty much all the weapons were on the wings, and the wings were almost impossible not to hit when you're because it's because <laughs> they're huge and they're pretty much the wings impossible are impossible not to hit. Yes. And so uh, people would instantly lose their wings and then they're like running around in a basically a, a capsule that had no guns on it. And they said that's a bad new player experience because it's a starter ship. And so they moved a lot of the weapons around too when they were doing the, uh, the refit. They also fixed all the, the weird things about... Because um, uh, it, it was an older ship before they had, they had the standards in place. And so people were clipping out of the ship. People had problems getting into the ship with the weird ladder system and, and all sorts of things like that. And those are all fixed. Good stuff. And if you break your wing, you can still land. And you can still land. That's that's good. You want to be able to put the ship down after you get it beat to hell. That's that's an important that's an important step. An important and and step. with the new roadmap update, you can still have object container streaming and all those other wonderful things that they had there. Nothing nothing in three point three got moved. Everybody, so everybody can can breathe a sigh of release. In fact, they added new moons to three point three. Um, I don't remember which exact ones were there, which ones once they added, but they do have uh, additional Hurston moons, it looks like they've added, um, to 3.3. And a new character, there's a female quest giver coming in 3.3 now, and a couple of things. Some people, some people were complaining about server meshing. I'm guessing that was on a later patch, because I don't remember which one that was specifically on, but it's no longer on the roadmap. So people were complaining about that, but... Whether that's a big deal or not, I will leave that up to a exercise for listener. Yeah, that's that's the tech that's going to let them add more and more people to a zone, not necessarily more stuff, right? It's the well, no, it's the see, container they, streaming that gets the stuff in there, but it's the meshing that gets no, more people around. No, no, they, they, it's 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 limitations on both sides, right? So, like their current server tech lets let's say you know uh, 128 people. We'll just give a just give a nice number. 128 people in a server. And, but they're not anywhere near that because of client limitations. Object container streaming, um, let's hold on, there's a million things that they're adding in this regard. Network entity streaming, I forget all the stupid other acronyms. Anyway, a bunch of other things like that that you've been hearing, those are all about streamlining data to the clients because it was overloading the clients. That was the bigger problem. It wasn't overloading the servers. And so people would end up with horrible CPU usage and weird latency limitations and stuff like that because it was a network slash client limitation. Uh, network meshing is is on the other side. So this will let them get them up to whatever that number actually is, let's say 128. And then uh, I assume the network meshing is to go beyond that number, but they haven't, they probably pushed that out because they have so many limitations on the other side of it. So Jeff, I, I shut him down earlier and said, save it for the show. Jeff was about to talk to Henry about a blanket. The show started by me asking, guys, I don't know what that is. Can you explain that? And Jeff said, it's like a blanket. And then Ken Shadow goes, you know when cheese gets real hot? It's nothing like that. So with my knowledge of <laughs> server meshing, there you go. It's nothing like hot cheese, and it has to do with a blanket. I'm going to go drink now. <laughs> I, I, I was trying to think of how to, how to best describe this for a layman. And actually, there's 
it's very it's not easy really but you know in the old days we called it clustering and the you know and and uh but basically it's a way to bring more and more server resources and quicker response times between the processes and the network and uh there there's a there's a terms some terms are called like fabric networks and 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 of course i mentioned server clustering uh but basically they're spinning up more of these virtual servers and adding you know everything from the iops to the network uh into you know this big pipe pretty much and giving you all that data at one time so basically what you're saying is nothing like hot cheese and there are blankets involved no i I think i think the big takeaway here is his uh everybody wants a big computer to do more big stuff right but your computer can only get so big right so network network um server meshing and a variety of other technologies here are to make a bunch of computers look like one big computer so it can do one big job that makes so much more sense than the cheese thing you should have started with thank that thank you brian it's you, like, you did it you did you know, it so. <laughs> it's like when you take a blanket and you spread hot cheese all over no, it it's not like oh, the cheese God. at all tony than a blanket <laughs> was we're starting it's to get down some, some very graphic it's stickier very graphic uh, uh imagery tony so i think we should I almost want to move on to lawyer stuff at this point. <laughs> I, I think what we've, I think what we've really discovered here is our show title. I think that's what we've really discovered here: hot cheesy blankets. I think that's, I think that's really what we've got. I think that's the takeaway that we're going to need to do. All right, okay. Uh, so uh, when last we left our litigious adventurers, Crytek had sued CIG and RSI for breaking a number of the terms and conditions of the game licensing agreement, or GLA, that they had signed that allowed CIG to develop. The game. Tensions ran high as CIG asked the judge to toss the lawsuit on the grounds that Crytek was not the boss of them. To which Crytek replied, Liar, liar, pants on fire. The judge decided she didn't need to hear any more of their whining and sent them both to their rooms. Well, six months have passed since the United States District Court Judge Dolly G canceled oral argument in the case and took the matter under advisement which is legalese for go away, you'll get an answer when I'm good and ready, which we have now. For a refresher, let's see what I said the District Court of Tony would do. My judgment, point by point, <clears throat> the, uh, the opinion of the District Court of Tony is that there are some factual issues that need to be resolved around the party's interpretation of the word exclusively. There are factual issues that need to be resolved about exactly when and if CIG stopped using CryEngine in one or both games, and even if Star Citizen and Squadron 42 are two games. Maybe one's a feature of the other, or maybe one is downloadable content of the other. Hint, 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 CIG, that one was a freebie. Where was I? CIG also hasn't addressed the code-sharing allegations, so Bug Smashers and Faceware clearly stay on the docket. And if CIG did fix bugs or optimize the base CryEngine, that needs to be reckoned with as well. I'll even keep the copyright claims alive, despite the late registration, because Crytek could identify evidence that CIG has continued to use CryEngine without permission past that date. And finally, what exactly Mr. Fryermuth knew, and what he owned, and when he gained such knowledge and ownership, are very material to this case. So those references will not be struck. Motion denied. The Court of Tony is in reset. And with one exception, that's what Judge G did. 
In 22 pages of mostly plain language, the court indicated that most of the case would go forward. We'll start with everybody's favorite part. Where was Tony wrong? Well, her honor turned her interpretive nose up at the exclusivity casserole that Crytek tried to serve her. Basically, she said she could read the document without anybody's help and exclusively in Clause 2.1.2 means that CIG could use CryEngine for the sole purpose of embedding it in the game. This does not mean that CIG had to use it in the game. Judge G cites some precedent that, um, yeah, honestly, I do not think it means what she thinks it means, but she's the judge. And unless CIG appeals, what anyone else thinks about that just doesn't matter. And I know Crytek is super happy with Judge G on this one. Yeah, you heard me. The good folks at the Skadden Arps firm were raising glasses to her honor's health and good fortune when she ruled against them on this issue. Because here's the thing. A motion to dismiss is a routine legal maneuver, but there are risks. One of them is that the judge gets to reading up on some law. The other is that she gets to reading up on some facts. And that means she starts to get an idea of where this case should go. Ideally for a judge with a crowded docket, that means it goes out the door. That was never in the cards for CIG. But barring that, the judge's next best option is knocking down the number of issues the court has to resolve. Yeah, that was never in the cards either. If you can't kick it out, and you can't knock it down, the judge is going to try to streamline the arguments. Which is what she did with the exclusivity issue. That could have gone on for round after round of fact and expert testimony and legal briefing, blah, 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 blah. The judge skipped that part. Instead, she wrote a footnote. Here's a tip from your old Uncle Tony. The good stuff is always in the footnotes. This particular footnote told Crytek, You guys buried the lead. Your case isn't about 2.1.2. Don't waste my time with it. Your case is in 2.4. The part where CIG promises not to, quote, directly or indirectly engage in the business of designing, developing, creating, supporting, maintaining, promoting, selling, or licensing, directly or indirectly, any game engine or middleware which competes with CryEngine, end quote. That's for the life of the game and for two years after the GLA terminates. Nobody said the GLA is terminated yet. It's still in effect. Now, I can hear the comment section now, but Tony, surely it's obvious that this clause means that CIG can't enter the business of selling game engines. It has nothing to do with selling games. Okay, well, two things there. First, you don't have to convince me. You got to convince a federal judge who has looked at the contract and the arguments and then told Crytek, hey, I'm not saying, but I'm just saying. Second, I enter into the record Tony's Exhibit A, the Star Citizen splash screen as of December 28th, 2016, where in the lower right-hand corner, one plainly sees the Lumberyard logo and the words, this product was developed using the Amazon Lumberyard engine. And just below that is the URL for the Lumberyard product page. I dare anybody to argue with a federal judge that this isn't directly or indirectly promoting a game engine that competes with CryEngine. I'm not saying, but I'm just saying. So now that the judge has basically concluded that CIG has breached at least some part of the GLA, let's deal with the rest real quick here. Actually, we don't need to because I predicted the rest of it back in January. I will say that I think Judge G wrapped up her decision with a thinly veiled warning shot to CIG. She's interested to hear about Ortwin's involvement. Quote, The court concludes that the relationship between the parties and their executives may prove relevant to plaintiff's claims for relief, i.e., defendant's state of mind in committing the alleged misconduct. End quote. 
two things here. First, Ortwin isn't being referred to as an attorney here. He is an executive, which means that any arguments CIG wants to make about attorney-client privilege are probably going to get the same treatment that uh, the judge gave the exclusivity issue. Second, she's already concluded that the defendant's state of mind is an issue. Typically in contract cases, nobody cares. Did you breach the contract or not? You can be evil or stupid or even nice. It just doesn't matter. But in this case, the damage clause only allows recovery for intentional or grossly negligent acts. And she's seen enough to be curious. I know this because she took another dig at Crytek, saying that the stuff about Ortwin's involvement and waiver and whatever was, quote, long-winded. That's the equivalent of uh, the judge saying, laying it on a little thick, counselor. I get it. I think she smells a rat, and she's letting everybody know. So there we are. First round is over, and Crytek has to feel pretty good about where it sits. Crytek's already amended its complaint to conform to Judge G's, uh, we'll call them suggestions, including putting a preliminary injunction on the table, which is a whole other can of worms. CIG will almost certainly move to dismiss the amendment. The judge will deny that request relatively quickly, and then CIG will have to answer the complaint. Sometime around Christmas, I'm guessing, Crytek will start to go through CIG's internal documents like a raccoon through a dumpster. And we'll see what happens next. So what you're saying is it's nothing like hot cheese and there are blankets involved. There, Well, there's a blanket wrapping hot cheese in the middle. <laughs> Seriously, then, that, was, uh, that made a lot of sense. Everyone's kind of surprised about the exclusivity thing. I was too, but she's basically saving herself a lot of work by not having to deal with that. Well, it seems to me like it didn't say that they would only use that. But isn't that the main point of law there? I mean, that whole exclusivity issue? Yes and no. This is this is this is this is where sort of this is the art and the science of litigation. So the word exclusively in that contact in that contract could have meant two different things. And the judge uh, addressed this in her argument. She just picked one. She said that this is not ambiguous. I can read the contract and understand it. We're not going to have this argument. Now, you can appeal that sort of thing by going and pointing to cases and, and, and particular facts that they might uncover throughout discovery and say, no, the judge is wrong because the, the definition that she applied is clearly not applicable here, either because we turn up some facts or because there's a specific, a specific case on point that the judge didn't address. That could happen. It's unlikely because it's a minor point and CIG basically won it. Right. That that part got kicked out. So CIG's argument carried the day. But in the process of it getting kicked out, the judge pointed to this other thing and said, here's your real problem. This is the problem that I, the judge in the case, think is the problem. And when the judge thinks it's a problem, that's in we're going to call it an invitation to the lawyers to address that problem. Because if you're the plaintiff and you don't address it, the judge is like, fine, your case, man. Bye. See you. And if you're the defendant and you don't address it, the judge has already made up her mind. <laughs> She's already said what she thinks is going on. So, like I said, it's a suggestion that the parties look at this and, and work with it here. But it's more than a suggestion. Y'all better get on it. I have a question for you. With uh, with what you said about them using Amazon Web Services logo and a link to Amazon, and that was uh, going to be hard to argue that that wasn't them promoting another engine. I think that's obvious, right? And they also talked about it in their shows. They were definitely promoting that engine. Like, that was a thing that was a big deal when they switched to that. So they're going to be, I think, probably guilty on that. Is that silly to think that that's a, a done deal, that they're going to be in trouble for that for sure? Well, I mean, that's part of the license that they license for the other engine. 
I mean, I don't think that as uh, it is. Uh, they knew the road they were going down to when they licensed that engine. Whether they they felt like it was in violation of the contract or not, I think is is to be argued. And 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 um, I personally was never, I, I never had any worry about that exclusivity thing. I thought that was actually pretty cut and dry. Um, I know Tony had some 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 worries there, but. But the rest of it just seems like more of the same. And, and Tony, even with that additional like uh, judge pointing that other piece out, I don't know. I, I don't. I, I don't. I think, like you said earlier, I think that's a pretty argued thing, uh, a pretty direct thing to argue. So I think it, they'd be obviously foolish not to argue it. But um, I don't expect that would be the case. The concept of whether or not something is being promoted and that that's an obligation that you took on in your new license. That's part of parcel of the same argument that if it's a term of your new license, that's the sort of thing Crytek is going to say, that's why we put this in here. Part of the benefit that we were going to receive from CIG doing this was they were going to promote us and they're going to say to everybody, look at the awesome things that CryEngine can do. And then partly, but it can't do it. That's well, why they that, moved yeah, on. That's what Henry was saying is that partway through the development cycle, even before they switched, they're like, Crytek, CryEngine doesn't do this for us. We got to put in 64-bit provision. Well, CryEngine ain't so great at vehicles, so we got to do that, and we got to do a lot of this on the back end. And the networking sucks, and you know all this stuff. And if I'm Crytek, I'm like, you're not promoting our engine really well. That really sort of sucks to be us. And so I think they'd be and mad. If I'm CIG, I'm going. Well, you misrepresented your your product to us. Yeah. I, see, this is this is this is the what's going on in the background before the lawsuit is filed. These are the conversations people are probably having. And so, it, it, you know, even if the, the argument could carry the day that the intention of that admittedly probably boilerplate piece of, of contract is, we just don't want you selling an engine within the two years after dumping ours. You know, don't, don't go out in the market selling a middleware engine. Probably that, that's a thing. But the promoting part, they're going to have mountains of evidence on that. And it's going to be inescapable. Now, to, to, Ken, to the other point of Ken Shadow, what's the damages, right? Who cares? You're promoting, right? It does. What does it matter? At this stage, again, it doesn't really matter because the problem that CIG just has, they're just just acquired right now, is that the judge is already kind of leaning this way. She's like, I've already just sitting here at the motion motion to dismiss stage. I've already identified a breach of the contract, which makes Crytek the credible party here and CIG not so much. And so that that that's like this is like you know it's like the first quarter of football right and your the team one team's up two touchdowns it's there's still 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 three quarters to play but it's not a good place to start I thought I thought that it uh, okay my I guess maybe I'm misunderstanding this ruling but I thought it was the rest of it was was arguable not that necessarily that Sig breached anything here that what that more argument was needed for stuff that wasn't dismissed you are correct, but this is—I'm talking about the art and the science, the, the art of litigation, not just the science. The standard is that on a motion to dismiss, that just means that uh, there are there are more evidence. There are factual disputes that need to be resolved. That there, that the the plaintiff has made a case. If you assume everything that the plaintiff says is true, that's what we start with. What we know because we observe CIG very closely is we are fully aware of lots of evidence for at least the, the 2.4. And the judge saw enough in the paperwork that was in front of her, because I'm i I'm guessing she's not a fan. I'm guessing she's probably not a big space sim player. Probably you never not. know. You never know, but it, she just doesn't strike me as the type. I could be wrong. But, it, but she saw in the paperwork 
and she pointed it out in the absence of argument from the other uh, from the attorneys. Crytek did sort of say, well, if you don't do this and you got to look at 2.4 and the judge is like, great, fix your complaint. You know, don't bring it up in this late date. You got to go back and start it here in the right procedural place. But she's already like, yeah, that's like that's where it's at. There's your problem right there. So that that's a that's that's two touchdowns, right? That's that's fourteen points on the board, and CIG's got their work cut out for them to catch up. Okay, but this is still mm, a year plus out, right? From from actually, the trial is scheduled for the end of twenty nineteen. Okay, so that really means that we should expect Squadron Forty Two to come out at CitizenCon next year. Job, baby. I mean, who, who knows? <laughs> just, so I mean, yeah. have, just so they have enough money to to pay off the lawsuit. Oh. <laughs> Okay, so that that leads into one of the questions. I what do you think Crytek's end game here is to stop production of the game? They want money. See, that's an interesting question because this is they just filed their amended complaint. The judge basically said, "Here's some here's the problems. Fix them," and they're gonna they, and and within two days, Crytek went back and fixed them. So uh, the one thing they did was change the argument from two point one point two to two point four, like the judge told them to do. The second thing that they did was they put in there a uh, the first for the first time they mentioned what's called a preliminary injunction, which is an order from the court saying not for money, but to do something or not to do something. And in copyright cases and uh, copyright contracts and stuff like that, what they could do is basically say, stop selling anything that's got CryEngine in it. Of course, CIGR's argument right back is, what, what do you talk about? We just do Lumberyard. Crytek says, that's why you need to let us go through your stuff like a raccoon through a dumpster, because we want to see, we want to be sure that there's nothing with with CryEngine stuff in there anymore. Okay, so so they do that, and there's nothing left with CryEngine stuff anymore. Then what? Then the rest of the lawsuit goes forward. But the burden of letting Crytek go through all the stuff uh, is going to be heavy but necessary and probably required. This is this is in the this is the realm of the the price of this lawsuit going away assuming Crytek has one cuz so far that they they have refused to negotiate. Crytek is they've they've said their position has been we're in it to win it. But if they come back to the table, their position is greatly strengthened and they know it and they're signaling to the judge and to CIG we're just we're going to go ahead and ratchet this up a bit. Because we're asking for stuff that we weren't asking before. The judge tossed out one other minor point that uh, they're not going to get punitive damages. That was the spaghetti. It was, was going to fall off the wall anyway. You don't get punitive damages in contract cases. But you stick it in there just in case, whatever, just in case something turns up. Uh, and it can always come back if they dig through their uh, discovery and find something bad that's not necessarily contractual. So all in all, th- this is a tactical win for Crytek. It sets Yeji back on a strategic level because, like I said, they're about two touchdowns down in the first quarter now. But there's a long way to go, and it, it this definitely strengthens Crytek's position, this ruling. I guess I have more comments than I have with questions. I, I mean, it's just I remember a, another Space Sim game that, that almost went to, uh, pretty much was dealt with the same way. And this, this had to do with uh, the Jumpgate Evolution going to Codemaster at the time. And then there was a big lawsuit about uh, production. And, and uh, I mean, and really what happened was it, it never came to be. 
and and I'm just wondering what what the real end game here is. I mean, I I'd hate to look at Crytek like I look at Codemasters. I, uh, I'm not a lawyer, but I can I, I, I unfortunately know human beings, and I think what's going to end up happening is some sort of negotiation at some point. I mean, what what is the the max that would reasonably Crytek ask for, right? They, they were owed some money. They thought they were going to get some money. They're probably going to ask for that, plus some sort of uh, damages on top of that for the, the trademark stuff, right? What they, they, well, some sort of number would be quantified there. At the end of the day, is it, it doesn't sound like a, uh, they're going to have a leg to stand on in terms of, of taking assets away from, from SIG or anything of that nature or, or, or uh, uh, claiming ownership over that, over the game. It, that's not impossible, but it will be convoluted. So, yeah, you're right. What you what you do in a contract case is you tally up your damages, right? Your lost profits, your uh, the benefit of your bargain, right? We're going to put you in a position that you would have been in if both parties had performed like they were supposed to. So that's that's typically the measure of damages, the benefit of your bargain. And uh, in a contract case like this one, there might not there's not easy ways to tally up all that stuff sometimes especially with intellectual property stuff that's going to be a complicated thing on top of that there's a prevailing party clause in there that says you get attorney's fees those are relatively easy to calculate because the lawyer just chucks his bill down and says pay up buddy so that that one's pretty straightforward then there's what's called statutory damages and that you can get those if you the there's evidence of a violation of uh, the copyright act that's a little trickier to prove because of uh, Crytek's late registration of the engine. They still owned the copyright from back when they started developing it, but they didn't register the copyright until to, uh, 2017, which means that there's a, a fairly narrow window if what CIG is saying is true, that they swapped at a certain particular time. There may be no window at all. I mean, they may have uh, the, the moment may have passed. So there may or may not be statutory damages involved. Um, not going to be punitive damages. The judge uh, uh, kicked that out. Um, but then you come down to the injunctive relief, and that's what we were talking about earlier. If whatever injunctive relief, if they go for any, Crytek tries to get some, that could cause CIG to have to shut down all or part of its operations, depending on what the injunctive relief is and what evidence supports it and all this other kind of stuff. If that happens, CIG will cease to be a going concern for all intents and purposes, depending on how, what they have to shut down or their revenue streams could be uh, hampered severely and make them basically go into bankruptcy. If that happens, the money judgment, which was calculated earlier, would then uh, make C uh, Crytek a creditor in whatever reorganization or bankruptcy or whatever. That is the vehicle by which assets could be transferred from CIG to Crytek. Yeah, but what, what odds would you put on that as put it with your lawyer hat? I'm not going to handicap that one, and this is why. Because I, like, like Ken Shadow said, the, the factor here is people. That is the factor. If the people involved are really in it to win it and out for a pound of flesh, they will ride CAG right into the ground and take them for whatever they can. If they're just making it look a quick buck, the discovery phase will tell them what they can reasonably expect to extract from CIG in the next few months. Because they're going to go through their financials and all that other kind of stuff, too. So that like that's what it's really going to come down to is what are the aims and the goals of Crytek's litigation strategy? Is it 
just to get a pound of flesh and, and go on their happy, happy way? Or do they really want to ride these guys into the ground? And like we were saying earlier, there's some bad blood here. There's there's some there's some anger. They they snatched uh, talent. Um, they kind of bad mouthed the engine for a while there, telling them all these things well, that it doesn't you do. Know, the it's engine a- is what it is. I mean, it's up to them to you know to to follow through with what they promised CIG, in my opinion. And uh, they couldn't they couldn't come through, or maybe it was a time issue or whatever. However, I I can't see Crytek. They're going to come off as villains if they if they if they shut them down. They just I mean, don't really, care. They are. I mean, it's possible that they just don't care. I think they do care. Okay. I think they do because you know they've got they've got a gaming they've got games too that they you know they're trying to promote and stuff and it's not going to be good business for them to be the villain in this. It's not good for their their other future engine licensees or you switch away from us and we shut you down kind of crap, you know. Yeah, we'll promise you the world, but we'll not come through and then we'll shut you down for, for not not using us. We'll see. Again, I, I think actually yeah. my, 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 my tongue-in-cheek statement earlier about them getting Squadron 42 out the door so they have money, it's... It's not necessarily just chung in cheek. I, it, I think that, that, no, it's not. It's not. I mean, it and that and that's again. That's that's the sort of thing that a we're going to call it a vigorous discovery process might inform, right? So if Crytek goes in there and, and looks at all this stuff, and Squadron Forty Two appears to be on track, they see what's what's happening with it. They they look at this and go, yeah, that's a pretty good release, and you got all these A list actors, and you know. Uh, you've only, you've sold X number of units, and you think that the, the that there's another Y number out there ready to be purchased. That's the sort of thing where Crytek might go. We're going to slow walk this, right? And let's see how this goes, and let you guys make a pile of cash, and we'll just take most of it. Um, that's possible. But again, it depends on what their litigation goals are. If they're out for blood, then they're just out for blood. If they're looking to make a buck, then a world of possibilities opens up once you get into the finances, once you get into the operations, once you get in and see what the actually is going on with the code, you, you, they'll get an idea of, do we want to ride this pony to the very end? Or do we want to just shoot it in the head now and watch it die? Ken from Chicago says we should call this new segment hunt for justice. <laughs> sure. Why not? Again, but this, this isn't really, ju- again, it's a contract case, right? It's a lot of he said, she said, what is the meaning of the words, the document? And then there's feelings but, but hunt, on both sides. Hunt for contractual obligations and uh, punitive damages doesn't sound as, uh, uh, the same. The elimination of punitive damages clause <laughs> and the benefit of your bargain, you know, requiring the benefit of your bargain, yes. Well, that's still yeah, justice. It's, it's justice for the guy that's getting screwed on the deal. It, it, it is, but it's not. It, it's not like it's not like Red Dead Redemption, right? It's not, that's not, it's not that kind of, like, frontier sort of stuff. That's what, you know, I'm from Kansas. That's the kind of justice I think about. (laughs) Railroads and and, and six shooters and stuff. So, all right. Well, uh, things ought to go fast now. I think things are going to go a lot faster now. Because the judge is like, okay, I know what's going on here now. Let's wrap it up. More more fuel for the podcast updates. Oh, absolutely. Now that we're all caught up on Space Sim News, let's get caught up on Space News with Galactic Public Radio. Good evening from Galactic Public Radio on NC. I'm Spencer McDunn, and these are the top headlines from around the known galaxy. 
The Aegis Eagle Eye system is offline due to domestic terrorism. For the latest, we go to Smooth Furnace in the Soko system. Thanks, Spencer. Authorities are calling the delivery of numerous Thargoid sensor modules to Dantec Enterprise Starport a callous act of terrorism. Aegis Corps, the organization that coordinates the communications of the Eagle Eye network, relies on the station to maintain constant contact with its field monitors. Without fully functioning starport support, the Eagle Eyes are effectively blind. Admiral Aidan Tanner, the chief military liaison of the Aegis Group, has confirmed reports that all six of Aegis Eagle Eye installations are currently offline. While the three superpowers, station officials, and the Aegis Group itself are condemning these disruptions as criminally motivated, at least two groups are pushing back on this designation. A Pilots Federation official, speaking on condition of anonymity, told GPR that a constant supply of Thargoid equipment is necessary to ensure that researchers and manufacturers have access to raw materials that supply their operations. However, they recommend that pilots spread those deliveries out over a number of stations to avoid interference, or perhaps deliver exclusively to stations that have already had their systems hardened against the corrosive effects of Thargoid technology. The other group refusing to condemn the so-called UA bombing, as it is sometimes known, is a loose collection of conspiracy theorists that believe Aegis is actually assisting the Thargoids. Specifically, they accuse Aegis of designating starport targets in the bubble via special satellite transmitters. When asked by GPR to respond to either the Pilots' Federation or the conspirists, Admiral Tanner refused to answer, instead focusing on hardening Dantec Enterprise from further malfunction. Quote, The Eagle Eye installations are one of the most effective weapons we have in our war against the Thargoids, and we would be grateful to any pilots who could deliver meta-alloys to Dantec Enterprise to help us get the starport back online. End quote. Are these sensors being delivered for profit and research? Are criminals and traitors undermining humanity's best defense? Are shadowy forces deceiving us all and inviting the aliens into our homes? From the SoCo System for Galactic Public Radio, I'm Smooth Furnace. Thanks, Smooth. Federal authorities are widening their investigation of the Fargoid cult, this time snatching up a renowned researcher for interrogation. Dr. Alfred Ulanoff has been branded a suspected Thargoid sympathizer. He was arrested in his home in the Rana system without incident. Authorities have also confiscated computers and research materials for examination. Professor Siobhan Vogel of the Interstellar Association of Universities registered a formal complaint with the federal courts and issued the following statements to the media. Quote, For Dr. Ulanoff's academic studies to be viewed as evidence that he was some kind of Thargoid agent is utterly ridiculous. This violation of his rights sets a dangerous precedent. End quote. FIA senior agent Micah Whitefield responded that security concerns take precedent over academic freedoms on this issue. Quote, when it comes to possible Thargoid allies, we cannot afford to overlook anything. Dr. Ulanoff's involvement in the Fargold cult makes him a valid person of interest. End quote. Finally, billionaire Zachary Rackham owner of Rackham Capital Investments, can add another 1 billion credits to his reportedly vast fortune, thanks to his redemption of the federal grand lottery ticket. Tori Theopolis, a spokesperson for the lottery, confirmed that the ticket was verified as legitimate, and Mr. Rackham was in proper possession of it. Calico Zach Rackham told GPR that he was surprised as anyone by his good fortune, stating, quote, 
I only buy a lottery tickets out of habit. I hold over from the days when I used to rattle around space in a rusty old sidewinder. Naturally, I'll be donating this windfall to various charitable programs. End quote. Some commentators are suspicious of the timing of the prize. The money finds its way to Calico Zach shortly after his company underwrote an expensive shipyard building project in the colonial region and on the heels of an expensive tax assessment levied by the federal authorities. As of this broadcast, Mr. Rackham has not yet announced which charity would receive a donation from him. For Galactic Public Radio, I'm Spencer McDunn. Good night. Tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. Why don't you roll another hacking, do another security check at a minus one, and I'm going to up the difficulty because number one, they know you're there. Number two, they're coming for you. And number three, this, you're trying to make it do something that's not really supposed to, not really supposed to do. Six? Nope, that's not gonna work. Nope, that's not gonna work. So now I need everybody to roll initiative. Can we assist? No, this this is all happening within like you know seconds, like tenths of tenths of seconds. What are we rolling here? Initiative. Got a ten. Got a ten. Eight. 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 I hope they all roll seven or less. Yeah, that'd be neat. All right, so. We're going to have uh, Cowboy Hat gets nine. And, uh, oh, another nine. Boy, I'm rolling good here. Yeah, yeah, actually, you guys want me to waste my uh, uh, my rolls here. This would be good. So uh, Long Hair Black gets a, gets a nine as well. I'm not adding one to all these, you guys, just to make it, quote, fair, because I am rolling good. <laughs> uh, so uh, Ball Cap gets a, uh, gets a seven. Did we catch a glimpse of what they were holding or what they looked be anything beyond saw, their bad guys? No, you saw a combination of laser fire and uh, uh Okay, bullets. so when you said crazy, you didn't mean like the look in their eyes or anything. You just you just well, meant when that you, they when were you, shooting at us. When you opened the door, it was like uh, th- those those of those of you who oh and you saw the tapes I guess too so they are they are vocalizing like people who are high on blue stabilizer like you know shouting at each other and you know like you know berserker type Viking type stuff you know they're I, I get they're flashbacks hyped up on whatever you get What's flashbacks that? to Max Payne sure yes you absolutely do oh I'm sorry guys I I did really I did pretty good here and spiky hair. Spike gets uh, an eight. So everybody, I'm sorry that everybody gets to the top of the initiative order again. So uh, okay, so who, uh, who had sevens? Everybody. <laughs> well, I mean, but I mean, who, who, who among I you guys? I had the ten. So the deer had a ten. Oh, eights. We had eights. Yeah. Eight. Everybody else had eights. eights. The ten. Yep. I have, I have an eight. Henry has an eight. Oh yeah, and then uh... Justin has an eight. Yes. Yep. Okay. So uh, everybody. So we're gonna go. Um, the order in which you rolled. So uh, so it's going to be Ken Shadow, Romulan, Ale, and then Red. 
So Adira, you're up first. Uh, right now you have a, uh, an open door in front of you and occasionally lasers and bullets uh, sort of come flying through it. Okay. Um, Can I see? So these are the guys... people you want us to talk to, right? <laughs> Your experience with the blue stabilizer tends to suggest to you that these guys are not in a talking mood and are not likely to be in a talking mood anytime soon. And can I see into the room at all? Or do I just see uh, the lasers coming s- out? If you would care to stick your head around the uh, the corner, you are free to do so. You can do anything you want to in this <laughs> game, but actions have but actions have consequences. Okay. But we're we are we are in initiative turn order now, so that does give you some some assurances, right? All right. Uh, in that case, I immediately drop down to one knee and uh, lean over and take a shot into the room and lean back as quickly as I can. All right. Who would you Who would you like to take your shot at? Ball cap think, guy, long hair girl, cowboy hat, or Spike? I think ball cap guy is closest to me. Or uh, he, he he would probably be he'd probably be the one that's the most direct threat because he's sort of like yeah. You know, Caddy corner to you on the door there, so and he'd be the one that you'd, you'd see first. Sorry, right, so you can take a shot at uh, take a shot at ball yes. cap guy. All right, give me a and roll. And, and that's uh, my can, not kinetic weapon. My where is it? Energy weapon roll. Energy, mm-hmm. energy okay. weapon. Five plus three is eight. Five plus three is no, an eight. Is that your what range is that? Where this is all, you guys are all right up in each other's grill. We're not even going to do ranges this time. It's all short range. You're you're all everybody's everybody's uh, in a short range to hit. Because uh, so, the room's not that big and the hallway's not that wide. Right. And you're all kind the of plus is based on your skill. The to hit is based on the weapon. Yeah, it, the 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 distance determines the difficulty that you have to overcome. Right. right okay. So it's like it's like you're rolling against. Uh, oh wait, no, no, no. I'm sorry. That's the you no. Know, you're right. It's the it, it adds a the lower. Because mine Mikey. says short range. Is to hit three, yeah, and then at the longer range, my, it's two hit. Gun. The two hit goes down, right? No, to hit goes up. To hit at medium is six. To hit for me, it's seven. No, 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 no. no sorry, no. That, that's the no, no, no. I was right the first time. It that's the difficulty, okay. right? And then and then the person adds their dodge to that. So what we're what you what you guys have to beat is the littlest number short range plus whatever dodge skill. Uh, these drug-induced uh, hippies oh, okay. have. I guess they're not hippies. They're anti-hippies. So your the difficulty on the weapon that you guys have uh, for your laser pistol is a is a five, right? Is do, right? Do they short get, range? They get a minus to dodge since they're sitting I've on got, a bunk. Mine says four. No. Okay, so you have to be you have to do it. Uh, so you have to beat a four. I'm getting to the spot here. Okay, so you guys you guys are uh, in a bunch of enraged smugglers and and can shadow. Yes, in fact, they do suffer a dodge penalty of one. Uh, but they still get to add a plus two because their dodge would normally be three. So, uh, so uh, you need to have so you rolled an eight and you had to be the six, and so you do. So, uh, cowboy hat or uh, yeah, cow, uh, ball cap takes uh, eight points of damage from your laser pistol. So good job. I'm secretly hoping that uh, it, that it was in his kneecaps. Uh, you couldn't see, uh, but, but <laughs> yes, he uh, he did. You 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 saw you saw that you hit. So you're you're, you're in good right. shape. Should have waxed the floor first. <laughs> All right, uh, and so I'm presuming you use the rest of your movement to sort of back yes. out of the way. Duck well, back not the rest the, of my movement because that's a lot, but a yeah, few meters. But, uh, do you, yeah, do you see? So you, you get down the hallway a little bit, and then you're you're out of immediate danger. Someone's going to have to come out of that room or poke their head around the corner in order yeah. to take a in order to take a shot at you. 
Okay. Um, that does it for your turn. Uh, Cowboy is up. Uh, Cowboy is just going to use his turn to shoot a couple more shots through the doorway from behind the bed. He's he's comfy. He just wants to keep people out of that door. So he's going to take his, a couple of shots out the door. And that'll do it for his turn. It'll bring us to Long Hair, and she's going to do the same. And so you can see a couple of laser bolts go through on her. And that's it. That'll bring us to Kinchetto. Okay. So be, I'm going to use my NG-75 auto pistol. Mm-hmm. There's a good chance that if I hit, it will paste them. So I am not going to... I'm intentionally not picking the same one that Adira picked. So hopefully somebody can ride her coattails with their... I, uh, so you're, so if you think about doors and corners, if you, if, if you sort of move up on the door, your line of sight is going to be... Like this, just like hers was like this. So you're going to come up and the first person that you're going to potentially come across is Spike over here. Spike. Okay. Yep. Well, Spike has a lot of bullets with his name on them. Each individual okay. is engraved. And I will now take a take a pot shot at him then. All right. So kinetic weapon roll? Kinetic weapon roll, yep. So, so a 10. Okay. So that's a 10. And yeah, the short range on your NG-75 is five. a... It's a five, and he gets a dodge of two, so you not only clear it, but you beat it by three, which means you can add your burst damage to it. So that's okay. a lot. That'll be, like you said, you, you, you're you pacing him pretty good there. It's like 46 or something? 40, yeah, I think it's 40, it's 40 10, yeah. Is it's it 40 10? Yeah, 40 10. So I did 23 yeah. points of damage. <laughs> All right. Uh, and that will, um, that will take him out. Spike's done. And then I will back up. To, no uh, floor wax uh, for you. In, in, in like, <laughs> I guess. So, uh, is Adira down the hall, or she's just she? She's basically yeah. She's I mean, she's on the other side of the door, maybe a couple meters down, just so that she's out That's of the sight of ball cap guy here. Yeah, it is. Uh, oh, no, she's I'm the sorry. gray one. Yeah. I had I had you backwards. I'm sorry. Okay, well, I will so I will can, match her position in the hallway, can, just the opposite. Yeah, side basically, of the she, she you you were backing her up. I was I was I'm sorry. I was taking all the shots from red. Ah. Uh. I was taking all the shots. I, was, I, I, I screwed that up pretty badly. Okay. Um, Just remember the one that's red. <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. Let's let's let's. Uh, we'll have you unload on long hair then, because that makes the that makes the angles work a little better. Dude, dude just got busted by a laser, so he wasn't feeling too, uh, feeling too whippy. So you 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 went a little farther out, and caught long hair instead. That that takes long hair out instead. Uh, uh, so long, long hair was the girl, right? Yep. Oh, I feel a little bad now, well, but okay. Well, you really shouldn't because she was trying to murder you all. Yeah, so, well, uh, not so, too bad. Uh, yeah, so she's, she's done. Uh, she's down. All right, so uh, I apologize for getting that uh, that that uh, mixed up there. All right, so now uh, Ken Shadow's gone. Now it's uh, Ale. So you're in the doorway of the uh, of the airlock when this happens. Yeah, can I see any into that room from where I am? Because it's kind of catacorner. It's kind of catacorner. You'd have to come out into the hallway and make a couple of steps. In order to, to see anybody, but you just you just see a lot of bullets coming flying out. Yeah, so I pop out and just take some shots into the door as best I can, like aiming at the guy that yeah, I can Spike. see. Spike would be your guy. Um, yeah, I want to shoot and, Spike in the face a whole bunch of times. Um, <laughs> okay. I think you have a laser gun, though, so I think you only get one shot. As yeah. a reminder, if you can get a pot shot at ball cap, he's already got some of Adira's damage on him. Yeah, but to I can't that, see him get, from here. Yeah, to get an angle on that, he'd have to cross in front of the door. He'd have to he'd have to go across the door. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. So you're gonna take a come out in the hallway a little bit and take a pot shot at Spike. Yeah. I did an energy weapons check. It's a seven. All right. A seven. And what's the short range on that? The short range on the laser laser pistol looks like it's ten. 
But that's that seems the range. high. No. That's the range. So four. All right. So four plus two. Yeah, you clear it. So you had to beat a six, and you got a seven. So yes, we'll, uh, we're going to give Spike eight points of damage. In his he face. Is, in his uh, sure, sure. You catch him <laughs> in his face, and that that hurt. That hurts quite a bit. He does. He's got not, a scar. He does not Look. appreciate that. Looks like a really good firebender now. <laughs> and I would like to finish my turn by stepping back into the hallway. Yeah. Uh, do you want do you want to step like step back behind Shiv or do you want to go back to where you were? I want to go back where I was. I feel like okay, it's a got, good position. All right. You got enough movement for that. Um, okay. And so that'll take care of uh, Ale's turn. Now uh, Red Barnes. Who would I be most likely to shoot at? Uh, Sp- again, I thought the last time Ken Shadow was you. So uh, you, you'd be in a good spot to hit Spike. All right. Well, Spike... Is uh so it's a plus it's a three to hit, and I have some buttons. Uh, eight. Uh, yeah, that'll do. That and that clears it. Um, are you shooting with a laser weapon? Oh, kinetic weapon. Heck no. You have a you have burst it damage coming to you, sir. Clobbering time. You may roll maximum burst damage because you cleared him uh, with plenty to spare. And it's soup time for Spike. Nice. You get forty-seven damage. Do you get forty ten too? Yeah. What was what was what's better what's better about your NG seventy five, Kinjet? I forgot what was better about that. I don't know. I thought it was what the higher it? burst. I thought it was a higher burst. I get a three D ten burst. Oh no no no! He shit shit is a submachine gun. I forgot yeah. about it. Yeah. yeah yeah yeah. I thought you were just no yeah. You got the auto pistol. Yeah no the the NG seventy five is an auto pistol that does submachine gun damage. The submachine gun is a submachine gun that does submachine gun. <laughs> Wait, is his two handed? Is that the is that the difference? Yeah, his his is two handed too. Okay, so I could have so, did yeah. dual wielding, huh? So uh, you could have wax and the pistol. Yes, can yeah, only have the yeah, he can only have he can only have the submachine gun. So twenty seven uh, damage to Spike, and you finish what uh, Ale started. Uh, Mister Mister Spike is now chunky salsa. Let me go eat some some chips. <laughs> Well, you got computer chips in the garage, so you got your setup. All right, Ale so, picked it up and you put him down. <laughs> uh huh. All right, so that so you'll you'll back up and take a, take shelter yeah, back yeah. in the hallway. I'm assuming. Okay. Yep. All right. Uh, that'll do it for Red Barnes. Ball Cap, seeing um, a lot of bad things happen and being shot himself, has decided that it's time to uh, to uh, glory days uh, this thing. He's going to come charging out of the hallway. The first person he sees is Adira. Can I trip him? Oh, he's going to die. You may not. Uh, So he is going to take a shot at Adira. Okay, buddy. What's on your mind? We're all friendly. So let's just be friendly. Some say he's lost his security clearance. The last time he had it, it was at the Russian embassy. But all we know is he's called the Shiv, and he was super busy this week, so he couldn't help put together this week's feedback. And a recap of last week's community questions. What is the right time to figure out PvP? Right up front, with the game design, or after all the plumbing has gone in? H. Allen writes, Is PvP ever figured out? That would mean no new JPEGs to sell, nerfs or buffs to code for, different maps to die in, and user mod hacks to rant about in the forums. That would suck hard, don't you think? Good show, boys. I don't know. I, hey, I kind of think we could talk about balanced, fun <laughs> PvP, too, just as much as uh, bad, what? broken PvP. Yeah, because we'd have fun with it, and nobody would be mad. Perfect world. No. It'd be a perfect world. I can, I can claim anybody's <laughs> a bot, even if they're not. Um, yeah. See. I, I, I got a question. Is, is, is Shiv's 
anything referencing something specific? Because I, I would think going to the Russian no. embassy nowadays would increase your security clearance. Well, okay. So, see, I wrote this week's joke, and oh. I'll be happy to explain it to you in a long-winded paragraph that, that'll ruin everything. <laughs> so, you can lose your security clearance usually by an act of a superior official for a violation of the restrictions that come with the security clearance. But in this case, I'm saying it's like you lost it, like it fell out of your pocket and it happened at the Russian embassy, implying that it was probably pickpocketed or otherwise removed without your knowledge. That's why it's funny. It is funny. See, you lost your security clearance, but you thought you had it at the Russian embassy. You're pretty sure you had it there. Okay, I'm going to move on now. Yeah, okay, all right. Just, But I'm glad you gave me the opportunity to explain that joke because that just makes it funny. I, I love joke explanations personally. If you like, just out of out of whimsical abandon, I can remove your security clearance. Please, that, please do so. That would be great. Okay, yeah, no more security clearances for you guys. <laughs> Nick writes in and says, good show. I'm not a fan of PvP, so personally I'd answer never to the community question. But generally I'd say the testing can wait until the defense and weapon systems have matured a bit. Sean Newboy writes in and says, wonderful show, everyone. Markety type stuff. That has to be business 201 at least. And PvP should be set up after all the plumbing is put in. Seems unanimous. Seems unanimous. Dual Universe is doing it the right way. Set up all the other stuff first and then do PvP later. Yeah, well, since I didn't have any feedback to, to say about PvP, let me just say that there's no such thing as balanced PvP. Skill sets aside, whether whether your, your internet connection is slow or, or not slow or you happen to have you know, one more item that, that gives you a, a few points of edge over somebody else, there's no such thing as a balanced PvP, so I've yet to see it in any I game. think chess is pretty balanced. Could be wrong, though. Checkers? That's that's had a few a few, a few years of iteration, though. That We're on, like, what are we, it's on, like, just, version it's 8? It's just effort, really. It's just effort. <laughs> You've got a great point, though. That's absolutely right. The limitations that Jeff's complaining about come down to the fact that the clock's got to be in real time for the kind of games we play. And in your case, it's not. And uh, if, you know, the, the problem of selling uh, JPEGs and things like that wouldn't be a problem if the creators didn't need to do that and create it. So they aren't problems that are inherent to the game. PvP could be better. There are things that limit it just because... People need to make money, for one, so they're going to need to unbalance it so they can sell the new hotness. And they're also going to need to uh, sell new environments and things like I'm saying. It's never going to be balanced because of that. The market yeah. demands it's not. You're right, Henry. So they're, they're inherent to the genre and the market. Yeah. The best we can hope for is sort of a dynamic equilibrium, that it stays in this like sort of box that's like, okay. Like, sometimes it's okay, sometimes it's not okay, and sometimes it gets out of the box a little bit and we've got to bring it back. Best we can do. And moving on into general feedback, uh, Stephen Hunter from the UK writes in, Hold the front page. I actually started a game of SC somewhere other than Port Osler. In my ship. Olasar. Olasar, yeah. Well, either way, yeah. congratulations. <laughs> it's pronounced Anseeth. <laughs> <laughs> Gremlish writes in, I understand Ken Shadow is from Baltimore. That is a misunderstanding. Does he live in that area? No, he does not. Or has he wisely relocated? Unless he moved to Texas from there. Um, if still in that area, that's where I am. Bar citizen? Um, no, that's me. That's near Baltimore. Um, yeah, I'm from there, and I'm I'm real close right now. I'm just outside of Baltimore. Uh, yeah, we can hang out. That's Henry speaking, <laughs> by the way. We're sorry that you have to, you know, live in that area. But. It's not that bad, man. I kind of like it. It's not that bad. There are issues, but there are issues the everywhere. Nice. Yeah, the harbor's great. I took Tony on a tour of that. It's awesome. I just wouldn't want to dock and nice. go near the murderers. 
<laughs> Drug dealers. We call it Body yeah. More Murderland for a reason. Going on with Gremlich's <laughs> feedback, he also tweeted us to alert the upcoming NVIDIA 2080 liquid cooled graphics card. Send a mop for the drool puddles. Dude, if you just keep a bucket with you, you don't need the mop. That's a good yeah. point. Besides, so I'll get my I, besides drool I'm dehydrated from the fact over the AMD card, so. You know. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, okay. Well, something to ask for Christmas, boys and girls. There, we we don't we don't we don't play uh, religious favorites here. No, no, no. Oh God, how do I say this? Shahare. 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 Enjoying the podcast and the RPG. Thank you, Shahare. And Corsair thirty twenty five in response to episode two twenty three's post says, "Listening to the latest episode and loving it. Miss the chemistry of Kirk, Spock, and Bones." So, so that was the episode that Lennon came back for one show. So the question then becomes, Jeff, which is which? And Lennon's not here, so he he gets the leftover one. Well, you're definitely Kirk. That makes me Spock. Okay. Mm, that makes you Spock. I'm going to so. totally disagree with that. No? Okay. All right. All right. I, 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 think, I, think, I think Jeff is very much an old McCoy. Oh, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. I'm going to say yeah. Lennon, because of his accent, is the Spock. He is kind of a foreigner. He's an alien. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Henry. Henry. What are you going with? Yeah. Definitely. Jeff was McCoy. So. So. So we'll just continue the continue it. So uh, I'll be Scotty, and uh, okay. Henry okay. will be oh. the guy Henry, that was on, selling Henry, triples. Henry is the red shirt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he'll he'll be a O'Hara. I'll do O'Hara. I would no. I would no. I, no, I, I couldn't fill her shoes, man. Not happening. Yeah. No, I was gonna say silly? Henry. Henry's got a robot. He's got a freaking robot there in the background. I do. Yeah. Ken Shadow. What does that mean? Uh, that's, he's that's he's kind Scotty. Of Scotty. You're saying he's Scotty? I got I I don't know. That's strong. Um, that's strong Scotty contender right there. I that's guess I wouldn't. Scotty I guess I wouldn't right mind being Sulu, but uh, hey, man, you could be well, like we, Scotty's get, unnamed helper. It'd be cool. Scotty's unnamed. <laughs> helper. No, you could be like Lieutenant Kyle. Kyle was in like like almost all the shows. And he never did. He didn't die. Kyle. So he like <laughs> Lieutenant, Lieutenant did, Kyle. But, but didn't he come out to be a? Didn't he come out to be an android? You know, and he opened up his stomach. And I don't remember Kyle. Yeah, that actor. That actor was. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 <laughs> Your the, name's he could be Bob. <laughs> well, he could be Chekhov. We could. We could do. Yeah, I like Chekhov. Yeah, I don't do the accents. That, well, I guess I do do an accent, but I don't, I don't do a Russian accent. I don't know. So, all right. So we have two possible versions. One's where Ken Shadow is Scotty, and 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 Henry is Cyrano <laughs> Jones, the triple salesman. Well, I, you know, and he's more of a mud. No man. Or Harry, 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 I'll go. Harry. I'll go with uh, triple salesman. Harry no, Mudd. Harry Ken Mudd, Shadow. Right. No, no, no. Ken Shadow's Harry Mudd. Oh, that's because cool, you're yeah. the pirate, right? Yeah. You're the pirate because you're the pirate, right? Oh, that's fine. I'll go with Harry Mudd. Uh, Eleanor Rebel writes in and says, "At Guard Freak and at Heroes Rise D and D. Thanks for the shows. Life has gone a bit mental right now, but I always look forward to listening to your weekly dose of geekdom. Keep it up. Big smiley face. It's like it's like super smiley face, and either an ice cream cone or a heart, yeah, or something. Taking it, it's a heart. You know the the greater or Greater sign in three. Yeah. So, and we appreciate you listening, Eleanor Rebel, and your feedback. Keep keep strong, man. The, the, the way to counter the way to counteract things going a bit mental is strong doses of geekdom. It's true. Oh, so you get to so you get to do your own uh, your own writing. Oh, your feedback, I, huh? Do you think 
Do you know? Do you think that I'm going to leave Clown Bobo to anybody else? Well, that's because you it's your own. That, you're Clown Bobo. I, I am not. Ken Shadow thinks he knows who he is, but we're going to keep his identity secret because he hasn't even told me. But Ken Shadow thinks he knows who he is. But so, it's not me though. It's not uh, me. So I, I'm, I'm okay. not going to leave whatever, Clown Bobo's feedback to anybody else. All right. So <clears throat> Clown Bobo writes in and says. Mm, Disputation of citizen Bobo Luther on the power and efficacy of indulgences. Out of love for the truth and the desire to bring it to light, the following propositions ought to be discussed at guard frequency under the delicious oversight of the most revered kinetic impulsor, philosopher king, master interlocutor in the great discernment for sanity and reason, clerk to the assistant to the holder of the sacred chalice of Ricks, and lecturer in ordinary on the same at that place. All right, just we're gonna we're gonna stop. Just just a note for everyone out there in just audio land. Sure. That Tony has the biggest shitting grin on his face at the moment. And it's not to let do, you know really if it do. doesn't come across in this, the audio. This is why I know it's Tony. So yeah, please do continue. It's not it, it if Tony's writing his own feedback, not. that's just gonna be the best. Dude, I news. just wrote a friggin' <laughs> two page long legal analysis. I am not going to make a Martin Luther feedback thing. <clears throat> but let me continue because it is good stuff. Wherefore, he requests that those who are unable to be present and debate orally may do so by a letter. In the name of our patron, St. Lesnick the Missing in development. Amen. Proposition the first. When he who is our philosopher king advised semper erit vigilantium, he willed that the whole spirit of backers should be vigilance. Further, he spaketh that this word cannot be understood to mean the sharing of familiar song within warm caverns, for this is the ill folly of chaste knights and their odious familiars. Thus endeth today's lesson. Go forth and share his good news. Bobo Luther. Right. Yeah, it's Tony. Now, what he wants to know, (laughs) what he's asking us to debate is the... Should backers be keeping a better eye on crowdfunding projects? Is that a thing that they need to be doing a better job of? And something I've been harping on for a long time. And should we demand more and what should we do about that? Here's what I think about the whole backer thing and the crowdfunding. I see crowdfunding as a way to get directly to uh, funds to the people who care about the projects. Yay. Good. I'm all for it. I really don't need to be a uh, publishing company and keeping an eye on my on my on my backing. I really don't. That's not what I. That's not what I feel crowdfunding is for. It's like, yeah, here's the product. Are you guys interested? Yeah, I'll throw twenty bucks at that. Hurrah! Well, but then who who polices the snake oil salesman? Because for every legit crowdfunding project, there's going to be one that's not. True, but I, you know, I leave that up to my discretion, not not some Overwatch. I, I, you know, it's might as well just go back to the publishing companies and 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 uh, take crowdfunding out. I mean, well, I mean that's legitimate. I mean, but but so it depends on the priorities and the preferences of the people who backed. If you if you if you care about the project coming to fruition, you better keep a close eye, and if you don't care about your 20 bucks or your 40 bucks then whatever let it go don't care it's a catch-22 right i mean you you don't want to not keep an eye on them because you're right you could have a snake oil assessment there's plenty 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 kickstarters to point at that that have failed for due to bad management that probably would have benefited from some oversight because they in many ways in many ways obviously screwed up 
right? Mm. Um, at the same time, oversight costs money. And the reason that some of these things even exist or even can function is because that they're they're running on these shoestring budgets, right? If someone is going through everything they have to do or if they have to keep up, you know, weekly shows or whatever the case may be to give their backers into the hood, they don't have the funds to continue to actually deliver the thing they meant to do. I, you know, it's, it's a fine line to walk. You know, I know I, there's lots of criticism on SIG here, but... Cloud Imperium Damage does give us a lot of behind the scenes content. Now, some of the some of the content is not given to us, which I understand is is a criticism, and some of the you know specific things. And you know there is a, there is arguments about priorities and all sorts of things like that. But you can't argue that they're not showing you stuff. They're showing you stuff, uh, you know, multiple times a week. So eh, this is true. Whether I mean uh, you know if I was going to, uh, there's many other games many other Kickstarter projects, many other crowdfunding things that I could say give way less visibility and end up being, you know, horrible catastrophes more so than than than, than, um, than Star Citizen. Now, on a monetary scale, it's hard to compete with Star Citizen because it's simply it's yeah. the biggest crowdfunding thing literally ever. It's in the Guinness Book of World Records. Um, but, you know, at the same time, like I said, it's a fine yeah. line. Is does it make a difference that, from what we've seen and what we've what we've heard and what we saw from the letter from the chairman a couple weeks ago, that they're devoting a lot of resources to what they're going to term as either open development or transparency or whatever you're going to call it, in the form of some pretty well produced video segments and you know they're employing a number of people to make these things happen and they're hiring more, mm-hmm. and the let's let's call it the information density. The information density of what they're telling, uh, of what they're giving us, might be a little on the low side. There's a lot of B-roll and flashy graphics and cool music and outros and stuff. I don't know. I mean, like, it, you, I don't you know. watch you watch their presentations, what they do week on week. They have currently they have three regular shows. One of them is calling right. all devs, which is literally a series of Skype calls. There's no flashy graphics. It's literally yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing literally there. Literally, I'm going I'm to give you that one. The the the, the other one's ATV. Right, but that's a now currently a fifteen minute show. It's not even an hour anymore. It does have the flashy graphics and whatnot, but it has been edit. It has been cut down to meet their current resourcing capabilities. And then a last one is uh, reverse the verse, which is literally a Twitch stream of them typically playing a game or them sitting at a table answering questions. So. Three, at least two thirds of the shows that they're putting out are not how you describe them. They're not flashy graphics. They occasionally they occasionally the have other things, which are the um, the lore team doing segments and stuff like that. But those are done conservatively. Now you're saying if they're hiring people, where is that budget going? I don't think it's going to weekly content. Obviously, I think it's probably going to go to Citizen Con and things that are coming up that we haven't seen yet. I think that's where that 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 personnel is going. I want to do want to comment something else on, on Claude Bobo's um, post, and I, I've seen this other places. People complaining about where the hell is Ben Lesnick? I've met a lot of the guys. Sake, so I kind of keep track of a lot of this stuff. Um, but Ben has moved onto the lore team. He moved off of the uh, development team and the production side, and he he works on the lore side. And you see a lot of his work now. Or you always have, but even more so, you see now in, in the Jump Point magazine. If you're a subscriber, you can get a magazine on a monthly basis. And he works a lot on that. And he works a lot of behind the scenes filling out lore, which is 
what Ben is good at. Um, the other thing is that he moved back to Maryland because of uh, family issues. And so he's not in the LA office anymore. So he doesn't, he's not on video. So that's, that's why you might want to call him the, the missing, but he's, he's still around. Yeah, missing in development. So, I mean, maybe that's accurate. He's missing in, he's, he's present in the lower team, missing into the development team. I don't know. Um, I don't know what the, the meaning behind sometimes it. It's, sometimes it's hard to read through the poetry, Bobo. Don't is, stop, no, You know what? You know, it's fine. I mean, other people have had questions about Ben before, you know? Like, where yeah. is, I've, I've seen it. Like, where, the, where the hell is Ben? You know? And so I, I figured other people might not understand yeah. where he went. Well, it's a good update. All right. Johnny Blondini writes in and says, I really want to believe what he, Chris Roberts, has to say. That it's all about keeping the players happy and catering to their respective play time, playing time needs. But I fear I may have been corrupted by the cult of smart. <gasps> it's all starting to play out like the great D prophesized. It has the feel of hand wavium. This is not the pay to win you are looking for. And to reply to a tweet about the Crytek ruling, Johnny says, Spot on, Tony. I believe you the whole time. Does this mean it's the beginning of the end? I, for one, pledge my undying allegiance to our new future SC overlords. Crytek, long may they rule. <laughs> now, I sense it's hard to it's hard to feel through text. I sense a little sarcasm here, like some. Like, I don't know how much exactly, but I, I feel like there's some here. Can, I don't, can you guys help me out here? Like, it's there's not some in the sarcasm here, I'm pretty font. sure. Yeah, there's no slash. There's no slash S there. I I, 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 I no honestly can't tell. Uh, I I mean I, I like like I'm, obviously I'm a little biased. Tony was right. Sounds really great to me. But then it's like the Crytek Overlords thing. I'm like, wait a minute. Not real sure. Not real sure. It's hard. This one's a tough one. This one's a tough one. So like in the raw text, I'm gonna go hot hot dog Johnny Blondini. Fantastic. But oh, it's like. It's like he's he pushed just a little too much. And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say he's not a troll at this point. Tony, listen, I just, I can't. this is the problem. When we get feedback that's just a little too long, we edit it. So you should have stopped this right after. Spot on, Tony. I believed you the whole time. <laughs> and then there's no controversy, <laughs> right. right? The guy gets right. his the, point the, the, out. Everybody knows what he meant. That's it's right. Easy. I should have yeah, just cut that part You just part cut out. it. Yeah. I, 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 think, I think my my, can, uh, my opinions on the, on the, the Chris Roberts pay-to-win thingy, I think we said last week, so we didn't rehash on Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just wondering about sarcasm, that's all. Ken from Chicago writes, I think Tony's and many players' disappointments are twofold. That tomorrow's achievements have not arrived today, and two, that yesterday's problems might be repeated today. One, one does not start a podcast devoted to Star Citizen or any single game without really looking forward to it. So much time and effort devoted to one thing can wear out one's patience faster than the average backer casually following its development over the years. Two, history repeats itself because folks keep failing to learn from past mistakes. Video games or any industry, folk keep repeating mistakes, so Tony has legit fears in general that mistakes will be repeated, bolstered specifically by CIG making mistakes, sometimes unforced errors. My point is that as often as I and many disagree, Tony's concerns in general about Star Citizen have merit. In that way, hashtag Tony is right, where I disagree is the intensity of his fears. That's where hashtag Jeff and Brian are more right. See? <laughs> Both sides are right. That's a great point. I love that. I want to make uh, 
Jeff and Brian are more right shirts now. <laughs> Hashtag silly for Jeff and Brian. <laughs> I love it. Uh, by the way, at Disco Lando on last week's at Guard Freak at Kinetic Impulsor asked an unfamiliar question. A lot of work in hashtag Star Citizen is going to make an atmosphere affect ship aerodynamics, but would it affect sniper ballistics? Has that been discussed? To which Disco Lando replied with a link to the Calling All Devs thread. Place your question in the box, Citizen. Next! Also, last week, Ken participated in a guard frequency gift thread on Twitter, which started out as a sophisticated commentary on the popular use of legal terminology and evolved into toilet and testicle references. Thanks for your support, Ken. Thanks, Ken. And a shout out to our elite background sim guru, Akrosi. I've seen your messages in game, sir, but I've either been AFK or in the ship outfitter, and by the time I'm back, you're gone. My fault. Don't stop messaging me, though. From Twitch, we have uh, uh, about half a page of text from Ken from Chicago that I missed. But I think uh, his primary point here is that the information density will resume in its normal fashion with CitizenCon, per the letter from the chairman. All right. Well, again, no new Patreon and therefore no random winner. And this week's community question. What do you think the Crytek endgame looks like in the lawsuit? What was that thing we saw on the Elite trailer? Otherwise, how was the show? Did the judge see things our way, or should we throw ourselves at the mercy of the court? Drop us an email, a tweet, or comment on our show posts, which you can find on our website and over on our Facebook page. And that brings us to the end of episode 225 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 226 on August 28th, 2018. So be sure to keep an ear out for our shows over at GuardFrequency.com. We want to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, our community manager, our artist, Ben Sanders, and of course, our audio engineers, Mikey and Lennon, and new fella starting this week. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music on our show. Visit RonaldJenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty warm. Reduce thrust. To our shows at feeds.guardfrequency.com. We hope you'll consider joining them because the more sport. Oh my god. <clears throat> oh no! That's you, Brian. 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 <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jeff. Sorry, Jeff. Sorry, Jeff. Uh, audio note that was my cat knocking over a crap ton of Legos. So. <laughs> That my daughter left on the floor in an unsecured box. Guess what she's doing first thing in the morning. Okay. Don't make her clean up your Legos. Okay. We've seen you play with them they're on not, game night. They're, they're in her, they're in oh, her, they're in her box. I've seen you play they're, with them on game yeah, night. They're her <laughs> Legos. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's right. Are you playing with your dolls again, sir? No, sir. No. <laughs> did you want to did, did you, did you talk about the blanket, Jeff? Did, no, not what, really. No? Oh. <laughs>
<laughs> okay. As much as people might think to the contrary, I don't like the sound of my own voice that much.